Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, the ultimate teammate. He's a leader in the locker room. He's a guy's guy and carries himself like a leader. Welcome in to the Titans 10 for Monday, March the 21st. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, a broadcaster and writer with Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, James Foster of At No Flags Film. James, how's it going? Going pretty great. Uh, you know, John Robinson saved his job at the last minute by uh, trading for it, Robert Woods. He was docked, docked on, the boat the off seat. Percy Priest, right? Yep. Had to come ashore for a, a brief moment, make a call. And uh, <laughs> I know a lot of, a lot put, of put down the white flag for a second. Said, Wait <laughs> yeah. A yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I'd, I'd been reliably informed last week that he was actively trying to lose uh, or did not care that the Titans lose, uh, which was strange considering he cried on national television. What, two, three weeks ago about the Titans losing. It seems like a guy that, you know, cares about winning. And uh, I think his actions have dictated that. So a lot of tweets being deleted from uh, the, the panicky, chicken little titans twitter as coined by kenneth uh, a buddy of of broadway sports media on on twitter shout out to you kenneth that's a pretty good one um but yeah there's a lot of interesting titans and afc south related news topics from last week and this weekend this past weekend that we want to cover today there's been a, obviously a lot that's gone on in the nfl since just last sunday i mean you had you had Russell Wilson officially traded to the Broncos. Yeah, that was that happened in the last calendar week, believe it or not. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers deciding to stay for a record deal. Devontae Adams leaving the Packers and going to join the Raiders. Uh, Baker Mayfield asking for a trade uh, in a very um, heartfelt and emotional late night post. Uh, he, he was not very happy with the team looking into Deshaun Watson clearly. And then he asked for a trade and the, the Browns promptly said no, uh, but they've changed their tune because then last week they got Deshaun Watson to join the Browns for a record, record amount of money. We're going to talk about that more detailed uh, story later in the show. And then Carson Wentz became a commando uh, Khalil Mack. He's a charger. Uh, Von Von Miller is with the bills. Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time, unretired. Like it's it's absurd how much has happened just in the last week of the NFL. And if some of those stories are like that's that happened a while, that was more than just last week. No, you're wrong. I looked. That was all the last week, even though it feels like it's been a month. So there's a ton going on, on around in the entire NFL, but there's there's quite a bit for us to delve into here with the Titans situation. So let's start with Austin Hooper to the Titans, which kind of has almost feels like it's been a little buried after the Robert Woods news on Sunday or on Saturday evening, rather Austin Hooper was signed. Uh, he was cut by the Browns earlier this off season. Last week, I believe the Titans signed him to a one year, $6 million deal. He's going to, I'm sure be tight end one immediately barring another free agent move. Um, even if they were to go get a Johnny Woods type guy in the draft, who is very promising, he's not going to, uh, be taking over the starting position there for for um, Austin Hooper at tight end. So, James, tell me your initial thoughts. What was your reaction to the Titans going to get Hooper? Were you surprised by the move? Do you like the move for the team? What do you think? 
Uh, yeah, so I would definitely say just uh, for everyone listening to uh, go check out my film breakdowns on both Austin Hooper and Robert Woods uh, yeah, on No Flags Film YouTube. Um, but yeah, I mean, Austin Hooper is very much just like a, a, a jack of all trades, master of none sort of tight end. Um, I was actually really impressed diving into the film with his run blocking. I, I kind of viewed him more as a... Uh, pass catcher only tight end but I mean they've got him blocking defensive ends and he's moving guys back uh definitely a a better run blocker than any tight end that the Titans had on the roster last season um and then he's got four seven speed uh you know really really large frame catch radius um kind of like your prototypical tight end from a receiver standpoint uh just has had trouble catching the ball uh since he signed that contract with Cleveland. Um, And, you know, it's kind of a difficult thing to evaluate because in Atlanta, his MO was kind of just being a reliable pair of hands. Uh, And in Cleveland has the drop issues. Uh, So I think that'll be the big kind of uh, determining factor as far as whether he's able to revive his career um, in Tennessee. But I think that you know, the Titans have raised the floor of their tight end room. Um, he should just be kind of a, a, a middle of the road tight end one, which I think is what you need um, in that position. Right. Yeah. And, and like you said, he's not um, necessarily a, a smash signing at tight end for the Titans. But considering where they were uh, sitting at the moment, just with Jeff Swaim, uh, adding him to that room and then you would presume they're going to, I mean, how, how important do you think tight end becomes for them now in the draft? Obviously two guys isn't ideal for, for rotational purposes, especially considering one of them, you as a Titans fan would probably prefer to not see the field as much as possible. Do you think that's still pretty high on their list in the draft? Is that something that they'll need to address? Well, if you look at it right now, their tight end room is Austin Hooper, Jeff Swaim, uh, Briley Moore, and Tommy Hudson. Right. And I think that group of four, like, I think is is fine. Like, that can get the job done. What they should be looking for as far as tight end in this draft, in my opinion, is not really trying to get someone that's going to be an immediate impact to this season because I don't really think that person exists. Not, not necessarily because this is some bad tight end class, but just because – historically tight ends don't contribute until about year two year three so i think they still need to address the tight end position in the draft uh with kind of an eye for someone with a a high ceiling that can develop and uh, become that tight end of the future yeah like you said tight end is a position that historically in the draft does take a while for those guys to develop and contribute unless you get a unicorn like the Falcons did last season in um, – oh, shoot, I'm blanking on his name. What's his name again? Uh, uh, Kyle Pitts. Okay, okay. Unless you get a unicorn in the draft like the, the Falcons did last year in Kyle Pitts, you're really not going to see a ton of first-year production from them, especially in the passing game. Historically speaking, you don't see that. Um, guys tend to come on in year two and year three. So, again, the Titans should, I, in my opinion at least, be looking at guys like Jelani Woods in the mid – early to mid rounds of the draft, but it is a much less glaring hole on their roster. As of now with that Hooper signing, another massive signing for the Titans obviously came on Saturday night. They signed 
Robert Woods, Bobby Trees out of the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams were looking to send him to the right place. It was it's been reported that that, you know, he's and this has been long known about Woods and the Rams relationship. He's kind of the heart was kind of the heart and soul of that team. Perfect teammate. I had a a buddy of mine ask me about him as a as a person, as an individual, what I know, what's been reported about him. And the best way I described him was he's kind of like the wide receiver version of Derrick Henry in the sense that from what I've seen and heard, he's the ultimate teammate. He's a leader in the locker room. He's he's a, 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 a guy's guy. And in terms of publicly speaking and and putting his voice out there, being on social media, he's very much uh, carries himself like a leader, carries himself uh, unemotionally. He, he's great with the press. He's he's uh, uh, not going to do anything controversial. So that's that's the kind of guy they're getting. And that obviously fits the culture that Mike Vrabel and the Titans have established. He also fits the culture from a play standpoint. Right. I, I would say if you looked around the NFL, James, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, if you looked around the NFL prior to this trade and were to say, find me a receiver that best fits the the scheme and the culture that the Titans are looking for in a receiver. Who, who's that guy that the Titans don't currently have on their roster that would best fit what the Titans are looking for in a wide receiver. He's definitely up there. If he's not your, your main answer, right? Like Robert Woods, the, the pass blocker that he's been in the past couple of years, phenomenal, sorry, not pass blocker run blocker. He's been in the past couple of years has been phenomenal. And then obviously he's a, a very precise route runner uh, he's he's had a couple of 1,000 or near 1,000 yard seasons in a row, I believe. If you know those numbers, James, you can lay them on me. But what were your first impressions about this signing for the for the Titans at another position that they desperately needed some help at? Yeah. Uh, so his he's had uh, from 2018 to 2020, he had three straight thousand yard seasons. Um, 2021 obviously was cut short uh, from because of a torn ACL had 556 yards in uh, nine games. And yeah, I mean, back to your point about a better scheme fit, better culture fit. The only guy that really comes to mind is Cooper cup, right? Um, Same team. Just, I mean, studying the Rams offense over the past couple of days, like you, you see Robert Woods uh, being a great run blocker, but you also see that from Cooper cup as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, Robert Woods, he's a guy that can play in the slot can play outside. He's a uh, really polished route runner. He had some drop issues last year, but throughout his career, he's had uh, very reliable hands. Um, You know, he's been productive. He can uh, create some after the catch. He's just a really solid all around good receiver. Uh, you talked about, you know, what he's like as a person. Obviously, I think, you know, you're adding him to an already strong locker room culture. Um, and then, you know, you think about what the Titans had to give up, a 2023 six-round pick. Right. Um, you know, someone tweeted a list of of all of the Titans' six-round picks under John Robinson. The I only this. good player that they've really gotten in the sixth round is David Long. Um and as good as David Long is, I mean, I would even like trade David Long for Robert Woods <laughs> right. um, just in terms of how valuable the respective positions are. But yeah, I mean, I think it was it was a no brainer move uh, for the Titans. And, you know, from the Rams standpoint, it's like they signed Allen Robinson. They've got Cooper Cup on a pretty big deal. It's like 
uh, you know, you can't, you can't invest that much money into the receiver position. So they, they needed to shed that contract mm-hmm. and the Titans were able to come in and take advantage of that. Well, and that's ultimately what the trade was for was for the Titans to pick up the contract. Because when you saw that the Titans only had to give up a sixth round pick in next year's draft, like you said, that, that tweet was particularly illuminating about how of 10 sixth round picks that John Robinson has made with the Titans, he's hit really only on one of them. The rest are a bunch of no names that flamed out or maybe didn't even make the team that year where they were drafted. Um, it, it, it's a no brainer in terms of draft capital, right? But the Titans do where I believe, I don't think it's official, but we're assuming they're going to be picking up his contract, which has four years left on it. Uh, his cap hit in the 2022 season, this upcoming season, $13.5 million, which to me is in, entirely reasonable for a wide receiver of his caliber. Um, in 2023, 13.75, 24, 15.75, and 2025, a cap hit of $17.5 million. Now, you can restructure uh, in 2022 and get up to $9.285 million in savings. If the Titans choose to do that, they can uh, front load a lot of uh, uh, his his signing uh, situation. They can they can spread that out over the over the coming years. Turn that cap hit up a bit in 23, 24, 25, and save some room this year if they're looking to make moves further in this offseason, which you'd assume that they are. They also have, and this is the part of the contract that probably was the most enticing to the Titans, because again, he is a guy that's dealing with uh, recovering from an ACL injury. He's 29 years old, so he's not. He's not out of the prime of his career, but he's definitely uh, not super young, right? And and you always have to look uh, with a, a little bit of concern at a serious injury like that for a guy in or nearing his 30s. He's on a very similar timeline to Bud Dupree. His injury came, uh, I believe, in a practice back in November. And so just initially, you this will, I'm sure, change as we see and hear from him throughout the summer, throughout training camp. But initially, you'd kind of expect for him to be slow to get back up to speed this season. And then by the end of the year, be humming on all cylinders, assuming there's no further injuries or major setbacks. And so um, the the part of this contract that was probably the most enticing to the Titans and John Robinson was that there's a potential out after this season without a restructure. If they were to not restructure and just go with the cap hits as currently prescribed by the contract, they have a potential out uh, after this season that will cost them marginally, I believe three some odd million dollars uh, if they were to, to get out after this season, if they were to get out after 2023 and keep woods on the roster for two years, it would be no dead cap. So they have an out both of the next two years for very little to no money. Um, Very enticing. If things were to go sideways with this trade with Robert Woods on the Titans, obviously I don't think that's going to be the case. I talked about this on, on Twitter today. I'm not sure if you saw this, James, but I was, I was just mentioning how about this time last year, the Titans went out and signed a different Los Angeles Rams wide receiver. And the expectations for him were at the time to be a potential wide receiver two option, but that was never even close to the reality. And in hindsight, it should never have been the reality. Whereas with Robert Woods being brought in, he's going to be what some Titans fans initially were expecting or hoping from that other Rams wide receiver. Am I right about that? 
Well, I don't know that the expectation uh, from the Titans standpoint would, was ever for Josh. No, Jones and that's to no, be it, it absolutely wasn't. Yeah. No, no, no. I think it, it was wasn't. just like people on Twitter. Um, yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, I, and I that's agree the audience you, like, I was speaking to that you right. can actually Robert, be, you'll be right to assume this is a wide receiver to Titans Twitter was the point of that tweet. Yeah, Robert Woods is a legitimate uh, high end wide receiver too. Yes. And I think he's someone. Like I talked about this in my film breakdown, but I think he's someone given his skill set, given how technically refined he is as a route runner. Like I think more so than a lot of receivers, uh, he has the potential to age pretty well. Um, he's not someone who relies a ton on like high top end speed or anything. Um, and so he's someone who I think even into his low to mid thirties could be a serviceable receiver. Um, and the question will just become if he's worth uh, his cap hit, you know, throughout the life of his contract. Right. But yeah, I mean, they can, uh, assuming no restructures, they can pretty much get out of this deal at any time with very minimal dead cap. Um, so yeah, I mean, really just a no brainer uh, trade. Now, this is a question I want to, I want to hit you with, and maybe you have an answer, maybe you don't, but this was interesting to me. I was talking actually to my dad about this trade earlier today, and I was telling him just about how, you know, Robert Woods was, I'm sure, very attractive to this Titans team just because of his dual threat ability as a precise route runner, great catcher of the ball, good receiver, but also a really, really fantastic run blocking wide receiver. And and he said to me, oh, kind of like what Corey Davis offered the Titans. And I, th I found that interesting because Corey Davis was a good run blocking wide receiver. He asked me to, to compare and contrast those two players. And I, and I did my best for him, but I'm, I'm curious if you were to compare those two players, I think it's pretty clear that Robert Woods is a much higher ceiling wide receiver, but compare their play styles, compare uh, maybe their wide receiver abilities and their, their run blocking abilities. Yeah, well, starting with uh, run blocking, I would definitely say Robert Woods is a better run blocker than Corey Davis. Like Corey Davis was a good run blocker for a receiver, but the Titans would have him just, you know, blocking cornerbacks on the outside. The Rams would legitimately use him as a focal point in their running game, not just in terms of giving him the ball on handoffs and jet sweeps, but like they would line him up in line they would line him up uh you know at fullback at h-back and run behind him um you know like he was a, a legitimate uh kind of like x factor in their running game uh, right not a wide receiver who's blocking but a blocker like a like a tight end blocker of sorts right yeah in those positions yeah um and then as as far as like receivers um i wouldn't really say that there's a ton of similarities Corey davis is uh obviously a lot bigger than robert woods right let's see robert woods he's got three is, inches on him and about woods 15 pounds foot, I think. yeah yeah um he's a lot more stiff robert woods uh just his ability to move laterally uh, a lot smoother there um i guess ball skills i would say they're probably similar but just like in terms of play style i don't really see a ton of uh similarities i think robert woods uh if we're just talking about who's the better receiver i would absolutely go with robert woods yeah and i think that's i think that's the uh, pretty obvious correct answer um well i'm sure have much more to talk about bobby trees this week and throughout the rest of the offseason as the titans prepare to get him back from injury and for him to be plugged in as wide receiver too my last question regarding robert woods 
And this is also something that we'll get into more over the coming weeks. How does this change the Titans approach to the draft? Do you think that whereas before wide receivers seem to be the pretty clear and obvious overall number one pick for the Titans. Now they've got a wide receiver too. They, they on paper have two very viable, arguably elite wide receivers at wide receiver one and two with AJ Brown and Robert Woods. Do they still look at a early round wide receiver? Do you think this maybe changes their mentality about potentially trading down if that opportunity presents itself or maybe they address the line in the first round? Does this change your thinking if you were to go do a mock draft right now? I think the mentality should have always been to trade down uh, out of the first round if that opportunity were to present itself. Um, I think adding Robert Woods, you know, uh, has no effect on that because if I'm in the Titan, if I'm in John Robinson's shoes, I would have been trading down, uh, you know, from the jump. Right. Um, I think as far as what position to attack, they have a little bit more flexibility. You never want to enter the draft with a position that you absolutely have to get a starter. Mm. You know, like uh, you don't you don't want to be sitting there like going into the draft saying we need to come away from this draft with a receiver that can start for us. And so adding Robert Woods gives them that flexibility where if there's a tackle um, or like an interior offensive lineman that's higher on their board than whatever receiver sitting there, they can go with that. Um, I still, I think you go uh, to me, I think you just look at offensive tackle and receiver and you take the best one that's available of those two positions. If there's no one that you can really justify uh, drafting at the end of the first round, then I would start to look at interior offensive linemen and if there's no one there, I, I guess you would go to like, and this is assuming that there's no trade partners, I guess you would go to like corner or edge, but I assume that <laughs> the Titans I, draft a corner in the first round, there will be riots. Uh, I know Rob, I know Robert Greenlaw said that he will, uh, he said he'll quit or something. I think, he, I think he'll just uh, probably delete, he'll probably go off the grid. If I've gotten to this point where I'm just like so unaffected by all of the like, <laughs> the the house is burning down like uh panicking that people do on twitter where <laughs> i just like i start to root for the chaos. things to happen that i don't even really want to happen just mm. because i love everybody else freaking out and me being super calm it's it's kind of psychotic but like you just I, you, I, you're slowly almost, becoming the agent of chaos that you're yeah no like i would yeah. I, I almost want the titans to trade derrick henry even though i don't want them to just like <laughs> to see the fallout just like i just think that would be lose fun. their minds oh yeah. oh it would be <laughs> but, a nightmare yeah no uh, drafting yeah. a drafting a first round corner that would be funny i the thing is is for me is it's like at least at least cornerback is a valuable position one that would theoretically be useful to them you know there's that uncertainty with Caleb Farley it, it would be at least better it would be better than them drafting like a linebacker or a tight end or like a nose tackle Line in the first backer. round that, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, like N'Kobe Dean, <laughs> there would be no sugar coating on that one. I, no, can't, can't justify it. No. And it'd be funny because nationally it, that would probably be a pretty praised selection. If the, I fell. don't think so. You don't, don't you don't think, so. think all of the guys that are currently mocking linebackers to the Titans wouldn't be happy from, from a uh, draft first round draft evaluation standpoint that the Titans got N'Kobe Dean. There Here's would the definitely about, be some morons out there that'd be like, no. great, hey, great pick for the Titans. They got no, their no, linebacker. No. Here's the thing about mock drafts. Like 
with guys like Daniel Jeremiah, like people that have sources and they do mock drafts, which I would say is like Daniel Jeremiah, um, uh, Lance Zerline, um, you know, Mel Kuyper, right. Z- um, Brugler, forget his first name. Anyways, Dane, like, Dane Brugler. Yeah. Those guys, basically they talk to these people around the league and they're learning who teams like. And so their goal to do a mock draft is to be like, here are 32 players that I think are going to go in the first round. And they just kind of match the players up with the teams in ways that they think sort of makes sense. They're not really like, they're not really attacking it from like a team building standpoint, like the way I would do a Titans mock draft. Mm. And so I think people get a little bit too hung up on like, Oh my God, you're an idiot. The chargers would never trade up to 13. <laughs> to like, dude, they don't care. They're just, they're just trying to say like, I'm trying hey, to fit all these guys in the first hey, round. I heard that this guy was like a late first rounder. So I'm going to plug him in here. I don't care that the, the fit doesn't matter. And I can't just put here are 32 potential first round picks. Cause that's not SEO friendly. Like mock draft is, you know? So that's, yeah. that's my spiel on mock drafts. Okay. La- last draft thing. And then we, I promise we'll move on. You, you said that your primary objective, if you were in charge of the Titans draft would be to, to trade down. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, so if you get there and at 26, You've got a guy like Chris Olave sitting there on the board. Are you still sticking to those guns or are you changing your tune a little bit? Yeah, I'm I'm always trading down. This is not just like a this year thing. I'm always trading. Okay. Down. So it's, a, it's a fundamental, um, it's a fundamental uh it's a philosophy. Yeah. It's a philosophy, it's a philosophy yeah. that teams <laughs> okay. overvalue uh teams overvalue their their own ability to scout players and they overvalue mm. the the difference in caliber of player that you're going to get like from 10 spots. The only, the only time I'm trading up is if I'm getting a quarterback in the first round. Like if you're, if you're giving up future first round picks to trade up for like a, a, you know, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson caliber of quarterback prospect, absolutely do that just because. I love they have to specify that it's a caliber of quarterback that we don't have in this draft. Oh yeah, no. Uh, you have I'm to go not back in time up. to find such yeah, a. <laughs> you're right. not in any way advocating for trading up for any of these quarterbacks. But I, I mean, a receiver, especially. You look at um, the the amount of good receivers that have come out of the second and third round in the oh, last yeah. five years. Like, yeah, I have no problem taking a Sky Moore in the second round, and that being my first receiver that I'm I'm adding. That's interesting. Okay. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, I, I think, I think I agree with you that, that trading down would be ideal. It'll be interesting to see because there is such a diminished quarterback market. This, well, not, not market. There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. There's a diminished quarterback availability in terms of elite, potentially elite guys in the draft. I think it's going to be interesting to watch play out, right? Because usually when you have higher end QB talent, it's those first, 10 to 15 spots in the first round, those first 15 picks that are primed for potential trade partners later on in the draft, they're trying to come up and get a quarterback, right? Well, I don't necessarily think that is going to be the case in this draft because I'm not sure teams are going to be all that worried about these quarterbacks going that early. So I'm curious to see if that window of teams getting antsy for a quarterback wanting to trade up gets shifted back maybe into the later part of the first round. And maybe there's a team out there that's looking for a quarterback. Their, their guy is still on the board around 26 and the Titans can trade back there because outside of a quarterback, 
it seems to be kind of difficult unless unless teams just have a, a guy that they're banging the table for and they've fallen in love with to get a team to trade up with you and and get you know a second and a and a fourth or something of value because you don't want to trade your first to go back to to get uh you know an additional seventh you you, you want to get some pertinent valuable trade value back in return preferably that season so again it'll be interesting to see we'll break down the draft more in detail throughout the throughout the month let's move on to the i mean not even arguably just the biggest news of the weekend for the titans which is that big old randy bullock he's back baby he's back with the titans he signed an extension worth 4.68 million dollars over two years plus incentives as reported by ian rapaport um, it puts him as the 20th most expensive kicker in 2022, and he's got a $600,000 dead cap next year if you cut him. Uh, it's it's interesting. It it feels just on the surface that number feels like it's a little bit of an overreaction from the Titans front office, desperate over the last couple of years for a re- somewhat reliable kicker. And Randy was more than somewhat reliable last season. He was very, I'd say, middle of the road as a kicker but that was significantly better than what the Titans had had over the past couple of years, basically since they lost Ryan Suckup, right? So signing him, having him back pretty, pretty nice for a Titans special teams that for the last couple of seasons had been wandering in the desert, looking for reliable kicking. Yeah. I mean, you can say it was an overreaction, but I I don't really blame them. um, No, I don't either. Just because of how bad the kicking situation is. It is kind of weird. Like I'm, I'm the type of person that um, I guess my analysis of football is a lot less results oriented than a lot of people, because I look at a lot of his game winning kicks from last year and see that like he almost missed them. I mean, I think his three yeah. game winning kicks Yikes. were like four inches from hitting the upright, which it's like great that you made it, but just from a, repeatability standpoint it's like i don't know man it's not I mean, just like Tucker's i think right down the middle every time uh, yeah no like no. i think he's i think he's an average kicker and like he is he is that's that's perf- that's perfectly fine i'm glad that we have an average kicker um so yeah i mean i those are my thoughts on that <laughs> all right well uh he's certainly fun to talk about old fat randy he's back with the titans on an extension so the titans have uh, you know at least locked down a reliable kicker we'll see maybe they bring in some competition Maybe they they bring in somebody to to compete, although they'd have to really they'd have to really bring it uh, with Randy getting that money, getting that uh, that cap hit of let's see one point nine three six million this year. Um, so to bring in competition, it would have to be pretty dramatic if they were to find a guy to want to cut Bullock. Our last bit of news, bit of business for this episode that we want to talk on is not Titans related necessarily, but it it is AFC South related. Uh, for sure. And that is finally the Deshaun Watson saga has come to maybe not an end, but a uh, it's it, we're out of stasis, let's say, because for the last over a year, I think it had been purely legal, speculative, off field stuff. And this weekend, uh, wait, last week, rather, the Cleveland Browns signed Watson to a historic deal, giving him the most guaranteed money of any quarterback in NFL history. I believe it was like 200. I don't have the number exactly pulled up. I'll pull it up in a moment. 260 some odd million dollars guaranteed. 
Um, it's a, an interesting structured contract. It's structured in a way that his first year, he's, his cap hit is only a million dollars because they seem to be anticipating that he will be suspended for at least some time this season. Um, but with that move, you get Watson out of the AFC South, which is good news for the AFC South. Uh, I, I had been with many others on Twitter for the last year trying desperately to get Watson out of the AFC, send him to the NFC, especially now. Holy smokes, the, the QB disparity between the conferences is ridiculous, but he remains nonetheless in the AFC, and the AFC is is just – I mean, it's it's stupid. The NFC at this point is the minor leagues, right? Like, it's the minors. It's two 40-year-olds and maybe Dak and maybe first half of the season Kyler Murray. Like, who – who, who else is playing quarterback over there? Big old Kirk Cousins? Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's a disaster. And, and so the AFC is a ridiculous gauntlet, which has Watson returned to the scene this year. Uh, at least we're assuming he doesn't. Maybe he gets suspended for the whole year. Who knows? That That is going to be a growing story over the, the coming weeks and months and beginning of the season, dealing with all of that. But getting Watson out of the AFC, uh, what did you have any thoughts on that? Do you have any reaction to that? get AFC South rather, but staying in the AFC. Yeah. I mean, I guess the first thing is like, I'm just glad that I don't have to kind of um, maneuver the, uh, the situation of, of someone like Deshaun Watson being the quarterback of the team that I root for, because I don't really know how I would handle that. Um, Yeah. You know, I think that from a football standpoint, uh, like the, saying that Deshaun Watson is an upgrade over Baker Mayfield is uh, like the understatement not even, of the not even century, worth mentioning. Maybe, yeah. But I don't expect Deshaun Watson to play next year. It's just kind of a hunch that I have. You look at the way that mm. they structured that contract; it was very it's definitely much, suspicious. Very much structured in a way that would minimize uh, the financial loss for Deshaun Watson if he were to be suspended next year. Um, and you know, Roger Goodell was kind of given a pass. He was given the ability to just kind of wait and let things play out due to the fact that the Texans basically just had him on paid leave, you know, and he, he wasn't out there playing every Sunday and Roger Goodell wasn't being given questions of like, you know, when are you going to come to a Deshaun Watson decision? Because he just wasn't really a factor. And so now the, the pressure is kind of more on him to like uh, come to a decision on that. And I, I think that yep. he probably will be suspended, maybe not for the entire year, but um, for part of the year, you know, the thing is, is it's like you talk about the, the power concentration in the AFC but ultimately only one team is going to make it to the Super Bowl. And, yep. you know, it's like, you know, Deshaun Watson hasn't had a ton of postseason success. I think that he's obviously capable of it, but um, you know, it'll, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to, to see how that all plays out. Yeah. And, and the Cleveland Browns, like you said, kind of suspicious with the beginning of that contract, it will be interesting to see how, and if so, how long um, the the suspension for Watson is this year? Uh, if if I'd say at, at least a pretty significant chunk of time, the Browns seem to know that as well, based on the way they structured his contract. And they went out and they signed Jacoby Brissett away from the Dolphins, uh, a pretty high end backup 
and probably in anticipation of needing him a good bit this year. Uh, but we'll see how that breaks down. Now, along with that news, you obviously have the ensuing situation with Baker Mayfield, right? Because like I said at the top of the show, there was a whole little soap opera in case you missed it last week on Twitter with Baker Mayfield out of the blue one night posting this deep and heartfelt letter of thanks to the city of Cleveland and talking about how he doesn't know what's going to come next, but whatever team his next snap is for, he can't wait to get after it. And all this that was essentially a letter getting out ahead of the news that they weren't going to keep him around. I, I don't, we don't know what exactly the, the, the meaning of that letter was, but clearly it was a pseudo sort of breakup letter with the Cleveland Browns. And then the Browns were very out about the fact that they were looking into Deshaun Watson. They were meeting with Deshaun Watson. They were in on Deshaun Watson. And so Baker said, you know what? I'm out. Like That's fine. Cool. Please give me a trade. I'm requesting a trade. And they promptly said, no, you may not. We are not trading you or keeping you around. They said that as soon as it was announced that they were out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And that was the running story for, I don't know, maybe 12 hours, maybe 24 hours, a very short period of time. And then all of a sudden, surprise, Deshaun Watson is not going to the NFC South. He was between the Saints and the Falcons for about 12 hours. Suddenly he's with the Browns and the Browns give him all this money. And so I guess Baker gets his wish and you don't have to deal with that melodrama in Cleveland anymore, but it begs the question, where does Baker end up? Is he a starter in the league still? And I would like to raise you, Mr. James Foster, a desperate for a quarterback team, the Indianapolis Colts. I agree as a Titans fan. um, I accept, (laughs) I accept the terms uh, first round pick for Baker Mayfield. Seems fair. Deal is done. Let's get uh, Chris Ballard on the phone. Wrap it up. He's got plenty of money. Just sign. You know what? Go get him. Trade for him. And then while you're out, just go ahead and extend him. Right. I mean, he he needs an extension anyway. So, like, give give the man his money. Right. That's what I. He's got plenty of it to spend. Ballard does. Uh, their their owner is banging the table, screaming like a lunatic on Twitter about how they win now. Well, you know what? Lock down that quarterback of the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not sure, like, the trade value for Baker Mayfield. It, <laughs> no, me neither. Not, not, nece- not even throw, like, throw the on-the-field play out the window. Like, I think he's I think he's still in that Jimmy Garoppolo sort of tier. But just the fact that he has no years left on his contract, and so, like, you would have to extend him. It would be sort of similar to the Sam Darnold situation. Um and there's not really that many quarterback needy teams left. And so it's like that, that I'm, I'm very interested to see what the compensation for Baker Mayfield would be. Cause I have really no read on it. Like I, I would be shocked if it, it was a first round pick. I mean, I would be blown away shocked, but I think I'm talking like second, are we talking, you know, like a fourth and a third? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Well, and on that topic, the Colts, you you tweeted basically that exact thing uh, after watching some Austin Hooper tape last week that as a Titans fan, you fully endorse Baker Mayfield to the Colts because he looked so god-awful. I bought Um, a jersey. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I I mean, personally, I don't think that Baker Mayfield, both on the field and off the field, screams a Chris Chris Reich and uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich guy. 
that doesn't really seem like like their situation. Maybe it's it is in a in a moment of desperation. Do we that, do we know what Baker Mayfield's screensaver is, and is it <laughs> is it Frank Reich's favorite Bible verse? It may be now. It I may mean, be that, now. Yeah. And listen, that's the team that he preferenced. He said it was out last week, the Baker Mayfield. If he had his druthers, he would be with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, okay, let's I'm end. going to have to do a phone check on that one. No, we will. Let's do it. We'll, we'll get back to the, the listeners on that. We'll do a phone check. Um, but in the meantime, last question before we get out of here. What the heck do the Colts do at quarterback? What, what, if, you, if you were in charge of the Colts and you were doing your best to ignore your crazy owner screaming in your ear about needing to win – multiple Super Bowls in the next decade. What would you, what would your approach be to this offseason and the quarterback position in particular? I mean, it sounds like I'm kind of oversimplifying it, but I really think you just have to keep drafting quarterbacks in the first round until you get one. The For all of the praise that Chris Ballard gets for being this masterful GM, I mean, look at where the Colts are at the most valuable positions. Quarterback, they have nothing. Receiver, you've got Michael Pittman, who's like a mid mid to high-end number two, and like really nothing else there. Offensive tackle, you've got um, the Auburn guy that I can't remember at right tackle, forget his name, got nothing at left tackle. You've yep. got nothing at corner. You have a slot corner and Kenny Moore, who's fine, but nothing at outside corner um edge rusher they've invested a lot in edge rusher but still no proven number one guy so like congrats for being uh great at running back guard and linebacker which are like the maybe the three least valuable positions uh on the football field uh they've also got they've also got good defensive tackles there you go yes but yeah i mean it's like the the position they're sort of the way they've prioritized uh roster building uh process from a, Isn't it? from a positional value standpoint is backwards yeah yes yeah yeah they they've got they they're in this uh, and it's the reason that they don't just call it throw the towel in and go full rebuild because they and the media loves to talk about this and and to an extent it's true they've got a really solid roster um, in a lot of different positions. Now, there are positions, like you said, that are overlooked or way overhyped by the media, which may be slowly becoming around to the fact that they're not as solid as you think in terms of a deep, complete team, um, particularly offensive weapons, uh, defensive weapons in the sense that edge rushers are maybe the most uh, pertinent and valuable defensive players to to affecting the offense that you're playing. But they they've got a couple positions where they've got really high-end talent really uh guys that are either currently very expensive or about to be very expensive that they'd like to keep around and yet it they can't really afford to capitalize on that talent they have right now because they don't have a quarterback and they don't have any options at quarterback so i'm not sure if they trade up for a guy this year if they go after baker mayfield if they go after marcus mariota maybe behind the scenes i mean best case scenario by a mile if you're a if you're a colts fan is is there some behind the scenes trade that's been they've been ironing it out for the last week Derek carr is somehow going to end up in indianapolis that's clearly a fever dream particularly with the fact that Devonte adams just signed 
the the highest uh, paying contract of any non quarterback in NFL history uh, to go play with Derek Carr. Like he didn't go sign that contract not knowing whether Derek Carr was going to be his quarterback. So Derek Carr's not coming. But in terms of technically possible options, that's your really only good one, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess the really the one that you're looking at as far as guys that are already in the league would be Marcus Mariota. He's someone that you could kind of talk yourself into having some sort of upside as a front office. Like I actually, I think Mariota's an okay quarterback. He's, he's probably like the 25th best quarterback just on the field any given year. Um, Assuming just, he can stay healthy. Right. He hasn't shown the ability is, to stay healthy. Right. So, I mean, you do that and then you're back into, you know, Jacob Eason QB one uh, <laughs> by week eight. So yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. Whether don't it's en- him, I don't envy them. No, I don't, I don't envy them. And it'll be interesting to see kind of a periphery note to that. Uh, I noticed today you can still, I don't know why this is. You can still get the Titans to win the AFC South at a plus number at, at least at DraftKings. I don't know if that's across the board or what, but um <laughs> You get even money on the Titans to win the AFC South right now. Maybe Vegas is still waiting. They're not certain about what the quarterback situation is going to be in Indianapolis, but it feels like regardless of who they go after at quarterback, who they get as their guy, it's going to make the odds for the Titans longer or shorter to win the division. I don't think any move the Colts make is going to make them the favorites all of a sudden. So if you're a betting man, maybe go after that. Uh, and go do it now because the episode's over before we, before we go, just a couple of notes for you. We got more shows coming this week, uh, at least a couple more. We got an exciting guest that we will have on the show this week. A local favorite of yours. Mike Herndon is going to be joining us. Who knows what we're going to talk about? I'm sure we'll be talking about maybe some of these news items we covered today. Definitely some draft talk. Maybe there'll be some more Titans AFC South news between then and now. Actually, I'm pretty sure there will be at least something to talk about that is new by the midweek so make sure to check out that episode with him and uh make sure that you're following us on all our social media accounts at easton freeze at no flags film at the titans 10 bsm is the show's twitter account make sure you're following for all show updates oh and last thing before you go this is important for all loyal listeners of this show that are that are curious and inquisitive and intelligent football minds which i know are all of you because that's the kind of demographic this show attracts if you have a question for us, and we hope that you do, we I would assume that you do. There's a lot of things to question about this show, highly questionable show. But any football-related questions that you'd like us to answer, the best way for you to do that is to go and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave a five-star review and make the written part of the review your question, we will prioritize that question in our upcoming mailbags episodes, which are going to be a regular thing as we approach the draft in the next, we're hoping to start either this week or next and make it a regular thing going forward. We'll do a mailbag. And if you leave a five-star review with your question on Apple Podcasts, we will prioritize that question. It will 100% be answered. We appreciate any feedback you want to offer there as well. But if you want to ask, just ask a question, ask a question. We'll answer it that week. Um, and that's the best way to do that. We're also going to be asking for questions in other ways on Twitter, maybe some DMS, maybe some replies. So if you're following us at those Twitter accounts, make sure to, to be following uh, up with our, our feed. And if you see those, those tweets, get after it, ask us questions. We would love to interact with you guys and go through some questions on the episodes in the future. All right. 
last thing, make sure you're subscribed to No Flags Film. I got to give James a shameless plug here. If you're not subscribed to his YouTube and, and Patreon, it's incredibly uh, valuable information, incredibly valuable content that he's putting out on a daily basis that is separate from this show, but also really supplementary to the show because all of the stuff that he's doing there, we talk about here and vice versa. So go and check that out and subscribe if you haven't done that already. And for James Foster, I'm Easton Freeze. This has been the Titans 10. We'll talk to you soon.